You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo. Today, our guest is Coach Soraya. For those who don't know, Soraya is the voice that starts in the intro of this podcast. And she's also one of the coaches of Try Training Harder. I wouldn't say she's one of the newest because we already have a new, some new coaches. But um, you started last year, Sarai, am I correct, or two years ago? Yeah, it was more than two years ago, actually, because I think I went to Portugal, I think it was 20, was it 2019? And Probably, I joined yeah. in September before that, so oh, okay. 2018. Yeah. So, Soraya, welcome to our podcast, finally. It's a pleasure to have Hi. you with us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, thank you for, for giving us your voice for the intro and for the end part of our podcast. It's also a pleasure to have you talking with all the, the listeners. Soraya. I know, I love that I'm ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. So, Soraya, my first question for you is um, how you got involved with sports. I will not ask about triathlon. We will have time to to go there, but uh, how you got involved with sports? Um, I guess my mom has always been very, um, she's been a fan of having an active lifestyle. So since I was small, I had after school activities pretty much every day. It was like swimming or tennis or volleyball, ballet, Olympic gymnastics, you know, those, mm -hmm. yeah, we used to do a little bit of everything and then skiing in the winter um, when we would go back to Europe because At the time, I was still in Brazil. Mm -hmm. um, then I sort of focused on ballet mostly. I think when I was like six or seven, I was like, no, ballet is what I really, really like. Although my mom did force me to keep swimming, which I hated at the time. <laughs> so I was really, uh, really upset about that. But I kind of, um, I guess living in Brazil where you have like the sea all the time, it's just non-negotiable. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. Sort of yeah. have swimming lessons. Um, so yeah, so I did a lot of ballet. I did, um, when I was a teenager and we moved to Paris, I was doing sort of 15 hours of, of ballet a week. So quite a, I guess, intense training program. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I went to university and you know, what happens at the university, you sort of stop being healthy, <laughs> um, and you enjoy your time at university. So I, I did a bit less sports at uni, but still, you know, I still would go to the pool and swim a bit. Um, yeah, I guess I, I stayed active, but not mm -hmm. necessarily getting very, training, um, yeah, yeah I, yeah, I wouldn't call it training at all. Um, I, I explored new things like ballroom dancing and things like that, <laughs> which was quite fun. Um, and then, yeah, that was it. And then I sort of, um, how did I get into, I'm going to come into your next question, which I guess is how did you get into triathlon? Not yet, not yet. No, it's not. I was about okay, to ask you. What you what did you study at university? Was that sports? No, it wasn't sports at all. I did computing. So I did a four-year master's um, degree at Imperial mm -hmm. for computing. And then I worked for a year and then I went back and did innovation and entrepreneurship. Okay. Okay. So, so now, is, now, is the question, now is the question. <laughs> yeah. How did you, from computing to ballet and dancing, got involved with triathlon and then coaching triathlon. 
Yeah, I'm clearly a very confused person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess like the way it started is I was doing a lot of ballet. um, I was working in a company uh, doing sales for software. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was doing ballet pretty much like I would say nearly every day. And um, I had started running a little bit, but by a little bit, you know, I was so proud of, you know, doing three kilometers. That that was the little bit that I was doing. And um, I went for drinks with some colleagues and my boss, and there was a triathlon. I don't even know which one, because at the time I had no idea what triathlon was. (laughs) But there was a triathlon on the TV at the pub. And we started talking about it. And I said, why? That sounds pretty easy. You know, all you have to do is swim, bike and run. (laughs) And my boss was like, are you crazy? Like, it's not easy at all. I was like, yes, it is. I'm sure it's easy. And he was like, well, I bet I bet that you can't do a triathlon by the summer. So I was like, hey, challenge accepted. (laughs) Um, So that's how triathlon actually began. Um, I guess I just I sort of it was a bet with my boss. And then I met my husband who was. Well, he wasn't my husband when I met him, but I met my now husband. Um, he was training for an Ironman, and I was like, what? How could you even think of doing that? That's crazy. I um, thought you said it was easy. Come on. Well, yeah, but I just said like, <laughs> triathlon. I meant a sprint or something short. <laughs> you still swim, bike, and run, so are you? Yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. I, I thought a sprint was easy. Like I just, um, But then when I found out that there were different distances and like sort of Iron Man and all that. I was like, that's that's mm-hmm. insane. Um, you know, and my flatmates at the time had also been trying to get me to do a half marathon, and even that I thought was crazy. I was just like, why would someone put themselves through that? Like, why would you run for 21 kilometers? No, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> how things change. Exactly. Anyway, so I, I kind of like, yeah, I, I did my first triathlon. Well, I actually, before doing my first triathlon, I actually went to see Luis Felipe, my husband do his Ironman in Austria mm-hmm. and like you know you know how they say at the athlete briefing they sort of call everyone athletes and for me that was a, a new concept um, I was like oh I want to be an athlete too like <laughs> you know like all this like energy going on I was like oh I'm going to be doing this one day <laughs> and if you went I kind to of felt, like, sucked into the buzz um, if you went to Austria I? I think it was with Paul Clay the briefing correct yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, it was years ago because it, it was, yeah. It's always Paul Kane Austria doing the briefing. Yeah. Well, there you go. That that It was 2015, I think, or 2014. Um, yeah, it was when, Paul Kane. Um, as we usually say, he's a priest of our church. So it's quite yeah. easy for him to convince anyone. <laughs> no, really. I, I, I totally, I was bought in. I was like, I, I've never done a triathlon, but I, I'm loving this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would have the same, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like I sort of like when I went to drop him off to like to the swim start in the morning, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so jealous of all these people got to do this. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so I guess like I did my first sprint. The sprint went fine. I mean, I made all the beginner mistakes that one makes. You know, I sort of um, I forgot my running shoes, so I had to go buy some running shoes when I got there. I had to run to Sports Direct. What else did I do that was silly? I didn't have a wetsuit because obviously I was, so I was the only person in this English cold lake swimming without oh, a wow. wetsuit. Um, what else? Oh yeah, I tried to run in through Baikin, <laughs> run out through Baikin. Yeah, that was um, interesting. So yeah, there, there were a lot of um, beginner mistakes that I made in that triathlon, but still I loved it. And like literally after that race, I signed up for my first 70.3. 
So it was a bit um right speed. after the sprint triathlon. Yeah, it was like literally within a couple of weeks. I was like, yeah, okay, let's sign up for it. And it, that that was like I think the sprint triathlon was in July, and the first seventy point three I did was in May. It was a uh, Aix en Provence. Oh, okay, in France, yeah. Yeah. How was the experience? Um, yeah, so that's how it it was great. I mean, I felt a bit cheated. They canceled the swim that year, so I was like, I didn't actually do a half Ironman, so I have to do another one. So then I did another one in August. On the year after that, correct? Yeah. No, the same year. Well, same year. May and then August. Well, it was May. May was seventy point three, and then August was the other one that I did. Where where was the second one, by the way? Um, it was in the UK, and I I always pronounce the name of the place wrong. I don't know if it's Eli, Ellie, it's, it's near, yeah, it's, it's in the UK. Somewhere <laughs> around the UK, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure people listening that are English will be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> We can write down the name uh, on the description of the podcast. Yeah. So. E-L-Y, it's so simple, I just don't know where the pronunciation goes. Anyways, um, yeah, so that's how it began, and then I sort of, um, from there, so. I'm I'm a sort of I'm all in or all out kind of person, so mm-hmm. I just got really into it. And you know, at the time, I wasn't really enjoying work so much, so I decided to quit and become a personal trainer, a coach, a spin mm-hmm. instructor, and just go into fitness and sports. Okay. Um, so it was a very, uh, it, you know, obviously the on the coaching side of things it takes longer because you can't just go from being a beginner to a coach. Um, you need to go through the experiences and, and stuff. So I first started off with personal training and, and spinning, um, as I, as I gained a bit more experience. This was in 2016, 17. You're asking me questions I can't answer. Yeah. Probably 2016, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I should have had my timeline ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make it um, calculation. But um, so you went to for a personal training, spinning instructor. How did you go for a triathlon coach then? Um, well, that was that was actually always the plan to do triathlon coaching. But I I just felt that I was a little bit too new into the sport to be like to be a triathlon coach straight away, and I didn't. Um, you know, there were a few ways I could go about going into coaching. I could just stay working in my current role and then get just get involved with a local tri club and and slowly get into it, or I could still do those things but also be completely immersed in a sort of more sports and fitness um, lifestyle. Um, so I, I decided to do that because I think like also like um, much like. I mean, I guess if you don't, people don't dance, like they wouldn't know, but much like ballet, I feel is the basis for all dances because you get your um, core, your core training is from a classical training. I think like also with like with sports, if you've got to have strong strength and, you know, a good base. And so I think I just felt that like doing a personal training um, education would be, would help me in in coaching so I just thought it made more sense and how important you think it was a ballet a background in order to transfer for the personal coaching and the strength coaching and then for a triathlon coach 
Yeah, so I think um, so the ballet background really helped me actually with with personal training because it gives you a sort of awareness of your body that you might not necessarily have if you don't have that. And also sort of like it just made it really easy for me to understand technique. Um, yeah, so I guess like that, that really helped because even even in terms of correcting people and noticing the mistakes that they're that they were making, that was really easy for me to pick up from the get go. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of like, I guess there's one thing in common, I guess, with ballet and triathlon, and that's the discipline, right? Like sort of, you have to be disciplined to be able to be successful in what you're doing. So I guess like um, understanding that does mm -hmm. help. With coaching so then you went for the coaching what well, traffic coach um, education and how did you get involved with TTH then so funny story TTH um, <laughs> my friend Becky that I met in my first job at exchanging in London um, she went to university with Philip <laughs> um, so when I told her I wanted to uh, be a triathlon coach she She was like, oh, I must put you in touch with Philip. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so that's how I, I actually met Philip for the first time at her wedding. Uh, so before before doing TTH stuff. So you met him on the party side of the of, of Philip. I know he's going to listen to this podcast, so we, <laughs> we can say this. I'm sure I'm sure he must have. Um, He must have been quite bored of me blabbing on and on about triathlon in a social event. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Come on, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. So then you, well, you got uh, invited to, to work with Tajmin uh, Harder, I suppose. So then, yeah, obviously, like, Philip has quite a, a specific process to hiring his coaches and Thankfully, he's he likes his coaches to be good. So when I when I had first when I had first spoken to him, um, I hadn't even done the British Triathlon qualification. So he was like, um, "No, <laughs> you can't work with us." But then then later on, I did the qualification, and then we sort of started discussions and and took it from there. And I went through the training with you guys. Yeah, I remember that um, that first week with us. Um, There's a funny story. Once Ray arrived to the training camps, the first meal was. Why? Uh, What's a funny story? <laughs> because you came with the idea of I'm not going to eat too much because I don't want to get fat. And oh, yeah, yeah. as you know, we all have a different approach. On that. <laughs> you must eat in order to be able to work and to to perform. And I remember that by the end of the training camp, you were a completely different person. Um, What would you say were the biggest? I eat quite a lot, I think. Yeah, after that, you ate quite a lot. As we told you, uh, sorry, you need to eat quite a lot. Then you start eating uh, much more. Um, I was going to ask you what. I think would... I was eating more than a lot of the guys. Uh, I think so, yeah. After that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> were there any um, big lessons you took from, uh, from the training camps when you, you started working with us? Um, that you can love your job, well, that you can sort of do something you love and still get paid. It was awesome. <laughs> um, Besides no, that, come on, like, right? <laughs> no, I think, I think for me on a, on a personal level, I would say like um, 
one thing I didn't touch up on when I when I first told you about my transition into sports is that like I used to be really really shy as a person. Um, you know, like I would even struggle to even present to my to my sort of colleagues at work. I would get really um, nervous about it. So part of part of the challenge going into teaching spin, for example, was it, it, it was a challenge and it was also the reason I decided to do it was that like it was going to get me out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and sort of start sort of presenting better. And I think um, getting to the camps, that also manifested a little bit um, as a sort of challenge because um, I had, you know, like I was suddenly sort of coaching, you know, the swim sessions or the run sessions or even just the warm up or wh- whatever, whatever it was. And you, you're, you're there, you've all these people and you, you want to do right by them. And, and I, w- I would get really nervous and sort of speak not, not so loud and, <laughs> and all that. So I think like um, from a personal perspective, gaining the confidence um, mm-hmm. was really good. Yeah, um, I agree. That would be the, the biggest thing I got out of, out of doing those, um, I think it was seven weeks in Portugal. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm remember, remembering my first time with DH, and um, for someone that, that has never experienced this kind of environment, it can be quite scary. Even if you have some background in terms of coaching, it's always a little bit scary when you have to meet different people every single week, and when you have to, yeah. to, to sometimes introduce them to, to, to the triathlon world. But uh, as long as I remember from the first day we met you until the last day when you left back home, there was a different Soraya for sure. Um, and I think that these seven weeks that you spent with us had this kind of impact. Even for the for the guests that we have a week, you can see a huge difference from the day one to the last day in terms of um, behavior, in terms of learning, even in terms of performance, you can see a huge difference. And for the coaches, when you spend so much time with a, with a huge and amazing team that we have, you can see that people change for better, for sure. Um, and I remember your example. Yeah, there's remember so many example. people you can learn from each other. It's it's really good. Yeah. Tell me something, Soraya. I remember that the year you started, you had um, a huge challenge ahead of you, which was yeah, uh, my Ironman booked. How was it? Yeah, it was honestly. I loved it. It was such a good day. <laughs> a long one, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, a long day. I think. I guess like. I, I personally didn't put too much um, pressure on myself in terms of time because it was my first Ironman. Um, and, you know, so I, I just, all I really wanted to was finish in in a good shape and not dying. <laughs> um, and that and that's, that's what I did. I think, like, thanks to Portugal, the, my bike was super strong. Um, you know, I, I didn't even feel tired at the end of it. Although, granted, I did stop halfway to eat a sandwich, um, which which I lost, I think, five to ten minutes doing that. <laughs> so you did a picnic. Um, <laughs> yes, well, I had, you know, they have those um, those those bags that you can get. Yeah, special needs. Yeah. yeah, so I, I put a sandwich in there and, and a drink and whatever else. Um, and so, yeah, so so... If I hadn't stopped, I think my bike would have been under six hours, but I stopped, so it was six hours ten. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I think like you know, I nutrition went well, the pacing went well, 
my run did not go so well, but I knew that was going to happen because I just hadn't trained the run the same way. Like when we were in Portugal, like I probably should have been going out for runs and stuff, but I was, I was more focused on, you know, being a coach than on being an athlete, to be honest, when I was out there. So, um, yeah, the, the run took a toll, but you know, I still finished the race with energy, just my legs. I just remember thinking like, I feel okay, but my legs won't go any faster. They're just saying no. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I was just like, yeah, no, it was a nice day and the atmosphere was amazing. Um, yeah, I think I would definitely recommend an Ironman, and, but I would definitely also recommend taking your time to feel ready because I think start getting to the start line of an Ironman and not feeling ready, I think, would be a very daunting experience. Um, um, how- are there any lessons that you take from your races, your personal races, that you try to um, to tell your athletes? I yes. know that you are coaching some some people now. Um, yeah, so I think I guess like um, especially with the athletes that are newer to the sport, I I want to make sure that they don't make the mistakes that I made when I started when I didn't have a coach <laughs> um, and before I I learned about it all. So I guess like the the main the main things are around nutrition um you know i think like i did many many races with shocking nutrition like as in you know i i have done a 70.3 before with one bottle of water for the whole race like you know and still like you know i guess like not not a crazy fast time but still decent time but it just makes me think like imagine if I had had this knowledge before how much better I could have done um at the time so I just I I definitely want my athletes to get the best of themselves so not repeat my mistakes um so be be properly fueled and hydrated for for their races I think would be the first thing And I guess the second thing is, you know, we all, especially when you begin as a beginner, like, you know, the curve at which the rate at which you improve is so fast, right? Because like you go from doing practically nothing to you're suddenly training. So there's this like, I guess, euphoria of I want to do more and more and more because I'm getting faster. And then you don't really let your body sort of um, adapt to it. And then more often than not if you're not careful that will then result in some sort of injury um especially if you haven't been doing the strength alongside it kind of thing so um i guess that's like that's my biggest focus for people um when they get a little bit carried away like sort of like load slowly and smartly (laughs) um so that you have longevity in the sport as opposed to you know like going crazy with training for one year getting one great result and then that's it. and then that's it because you've yeah. broken yourself um, so yeah you just Those spoke are, about guess, the, the strength that um, the athletes need to to work on and um last year when the the covid hit europe and we had to close down everything mm-hmm. um you and coach john made a huge work uh, in terms of snc sessions um would you like to talk to us about it a little bit? How it was the preparation for these sessions? How how it worked? I know that you are still running some of them. Um, 
Well, we're we're not running them over the summer actually, but we'll pick them up again after the summer. Um, yeah, no, I I personally I, I love teaching those sessions because it gives it gives a bit of face time with the athletes and especially when my athletes join, I sort of um I can immediately see um where their strengths and weaknesses are and it's it's very helpful <laughs> um from a from a coaching perspective but also for them I think um you know even even when you know what the technique is meant to be having someone sort of remind you is gonna make you do it better you know like it's often like and for the same people it's often the same the same correction like my my athlete Matt always laughs because he's like yeah keep your back straight keep your back straight back straight <laughs> and, he's, and he says like you do you don't even need to be there you could just have a recording but it's gonna still remind me to <laughs> to keep my back straight because you do forget sometimes especially as you get tired so having someone um check check your technique um is really helpful like i i sort of even me you know like i, I know the technique i, I do the I, I i teach pt sessions and whatever else but like i personally prefer partaking in a class where someone's going to keep an eye on my form um, because it just, it's one less worry and I can just focus on what I'm doing. Um, so, so yeah, so I, yeah, I really enjoy teaching those sessions. Um, it's uh, I guess during race season, it, it gets a bit less, less uh, popular because people are focused on their races and stuff. So it's, um, and there's a good weather outside most of the time. Well, it yeah, depends if you live so, in the UK yeah. or not. Yeah, but regardless of it being good weather or not, um, I'd argue you still need to do your strength work. <laughs> um, um, last year, well, you had a, a huge, it was last year or this year actually, but you had a huge change in your life. Uh, you moved from UK to the USA. Um, are there any big differences between the, re the reality that you had in the UK and the one that you have right now? When you say reality, what do you mean? In terms of straight <laughs> world, mostly. Right. So um, I guess, like, you know, the, the move to the U.S. has made a big difference to my life in general because I, I started work working, like, corporate again full time. Um, so the impact that that has had is that I'm only teaching maybe like one spin class a week one strength class online a week and then i've unfortunately have had to reduce the number of athletes that i have from like i think i had 18 before and now i've got six um and which was a very sad sad thing it was the week where you know i was having those conversa conversations with those athletes um you know it was quite a for me anyways very emotional i was like nearly crying when i was speaking to them because you do form you know relationships um with them and and sort of yeah it was it i would say it wasn't my favorite it wasn't my favorite time <laughs> to have to reduce the, the number of athletes but um but now i guess my focus since since i'm um since since i'm working full-time is to sort of yeah have fewer fewer athletes that i can you know give my full focus to as opposed to have more athletes and then um not not give enough enough attention to them so um in terms of the triathlon world um i i've been 
So I've been coaching as well at a, a local club called Tri Latino. Um, and it's a nonprofit club. And it's, yeah, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Like the, the focus is, um, I guess it's a bit less, less on performance and more on sort of um, having a community of people that do triathlon as a form to remain active and, you know, like sort of be inclusive with the sport. Um, so no, it's been, it's been really good. And I've had to, got to practice my Spanish a little bit as well. Which is always <laughs> <a bonus. laughs> um, but yeah, I've taught a few, I guess, um, some run sessions and some bike sessions at the weekends with them. Um, I haven't quite done any swimming with them because I don't have a car. So the logistics to get to the open water place um, and the pool is just, it doesn't work. I can't do it. Um, but maybe the, the day I get a car, then then I might start coaching there and swimming as well. Um, what did you ride there? Come on, Sarah. You, you are a triathlete, you are a coach, you have a bike yeah. or two or three bikes. So. Yeah, but where they, where they go, it would take me like three hours to ride there and then three hours It's a perfect back. workout. <laughs> That's just excuses. Yeah, Come on, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I th the the bike sessions, we, we do them in two different places. So one of the places is relatively close to my house. It takes like, I think it takes me about 45 minutes to ride there, which is perfect. Um, the other place, um, Normally, the other coach who has a car, he picks me up um, and we drive there. And then I, I tend, I like to ride back so that it gives me a little bit more of a, of a longer distance. But the last time I put my bike on his bike rack, my bike got scratched. It's very upsetting. So now I'm like very reluctant to put my bike on, on his bike rack. <laughs> so the next time I coach there, and he knows this, so if he ever hears this, it's fine. <laughs> So now I'm just now I'm just thinking. Well, maybe next time I coach, it's going to be a 150 kilometer plus ride day because <laughs> I am not putting my bike on this bike <laughs> rack. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's what's going to happen. I think the next times that I coach, the further away place. <laughs> that's going to be, well, yeah, I can I can understand the fear that you have, Soraya. I mean, it's it's scratched it scratched both my bikes before. So like, you know, his, his bike crack is, is mean. I think yeah, there is a, a very good point for you to buy a new bike rack for his car. Just saying. So he, he did buy a new one. So actually he has a new one now, but it's the same model as his old one. So I, don't, I still don't trust it. So it's time for you to buy a new one for his car. <laughs> <laughs> or time for me to get my own car. Or that, yeah, or that. Soraya, <laughs> my last uh, question for you is um, what do you think is the best piece of advice you can give to an athlete? To an athlete? Um, I guess similar advice as they give you in yoga class to sort of take it easy, like one step at a time. You know, we, we, we tend to be, I feel like we're... Our, our society in general. And I think maybe with COVID people have learned to take a step back and dare I say, it's one of the positives of COVID. Um, but like, yeah, I think sometimes we want results immediately and we don't have the patience to put the work in um, to get there. So we we're constantly looking for shortcuts and things like that. I mean, I know it's a very big generalization, but I guess like be patient, trust the program, 
and sort of like if you're consistent with your training and consistent is the very very key word <laughs> um then the results will follow um so yeah i guess patience would be my my biggest advice soraya thank you so much it was nice to to hear you back and um hopefully i'll see you next year in portugal yeah oh my gosh i hope so yes The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.